Warning! Calories Unleashed may be offensive, especially to mask Nazi teachers. This show is honest, uses foul language, and contains sensitive topics. So, if you're easily offended, do not listen. Get some! Fucking moron! Here we go, here we go. Listen. Wait. Fucking ridiculous. This is nothing, but it ain't going to Fucking moron! This is hysterical. Fuck, it ain't helping you. Wait. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody from Knucklehead Nation. Welcome to the 151st edition of Calories Unleashed, the first of the new year. And we're going to start this off with an awesome interview. Somebody that I've been watching, um, you know, for well over a year now. As many of you guys know, I got into... Arm, I got into a couple different sports, arm wrestling and sumo wrestling. And being that I don't speak Japanese, I can't possibly get one of these sumo wrestlers on. But I had a world elite professional arm wrestler um, grace the Calories Unleashed show. And if you don't know anything about arm wrestling, it's, a, it's an incredibly budding sport. Okay, number one. Number two, it is intense man you have two people going up against each other it's basically a fight without punches it's a lot of a lot of strategy there's a lot of different technique there's unbelievable comebacks and drama it is a sport that guys i'm telling you i have i have completely fallen in love with these people are relatable they're regular human beings they just you know work at at something super hard and you know me i play cornhole so you know these type of sports are exploding and you don't realize how awesome how awesome something like arm wrestling really is. You got to sit down and watch it. They have events from the Monster Factory to the King of the Table, and my personal favorite right now is the East versus West. It is basically America or North America, so Canada, America, and South America, and then you have all all of them versus the Europeans, and it's like. $13 for 14 matches. It is the best deal you could ever get as far as a pay-per-view. It is unbelievable entertainment. The East versus West, it gives you, like, you could root for, you know, you, obviously I pull for, for the American guys, but all the North American guys against them. It's a, it's a really neat concept. It's a team concept. And, uh, you know, you know how Americans love being part of teams, and, and actually humanity loves being part of teams. But right now, without further ado, all right, little special Calderies Unleashed, not political, Right, it's all about arm wrestling. I give you guys Paul Lynn, and you're about to hear my best buffer impression. Enjoy. All right, Knucklehead Nation, I have a special. Mostly, I have a treat for myself. Knucklehead Nation, uh, to my to the my guest is what I call my audience. Everyone else knows that out there. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have some fun. I'm gonna announce them like this. Coming to Calderese Unleashed right now, standing at six foot tall. I don't know what 95 kilos in actual weight is, but the number one ranked middleweight arm wrestler in the world, known as the White Orc. My man, thank you for coming on, professional arm wrestler, Paul Lynn. How are you, man? Welcome to Calderese Unleashed. Thank you for coming on. I am very good. 95 kilograms is 209. I don't weigh that at the moment. Just a little bit heavier. Got to cut to get that weight. But first off, thank you so much for having me on. I am always open to any podcast slash social media uh, production, especially if it doesn't 
usually highlight arm wrestling because we are such a niche community and sport. I love the opportunity um, and I'm blessed to be on your show because it in itself is an expansion to our sport. So we as a community are thankful to you. It's no, I mean, listen, I'm thankful for you because, you know, God's honest truth is I, I, I Facebook, I guess, just started showing me videos of Devin Larratt in W yeah. in WAO, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. I did, I got, I got sucked in with Devin and I liked his whole persona. And then they started showing me pictures of Michael Todd and I was, I didn't like him at first with the whole Kings move thing. Cause I didn't get it. I, I didn't get the, you know, cause I was new. I'm not an arm wrestler, right? God's not truth. I'm a baseball player. I play, co- I play college baseball. Um, right yeah. now I do cornhole. I play very, I like very competitive cornhole, you know? So I get the niche community thing. But, um, then I saw you against Paul Talbot. And it was my first kind of like, okay, who's this dude Paul in? And then started seeing you because I, I buy all the pay-per-views. I watch all the Monster Factories. I love it. I'm, I'm like all the way in. So I, I, I love that you're able to, to come in. But do me a favor. Like, it's your story is a particular one that I like because it's like um, you've, you've started at 35, right? You're what? Or what are you? You're my age. So you got to be like 42 right now, something like that, right? I'm, I'm going to be 42 here shortly, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're, you're right in line with me. We probably played football. I was, I was playing football in Jersey. You're playing football in, in, in Pennsylvania. Tell me, dude, like, just give, give my, my audience a background of like, who is Paul Lynn? Where'd you come from? And because I know, I know things like you played some um, NFL Italy and, and mm-hmm. you, you know, you were, you were a middle linebacker and you have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Just tell us who you are and then give us a little, I, I want to take us through how you went from, you know, not arm wrestling at all to John Brzezink to middleweight champ, you know, going from middleweight champion versus West six. So if we could go through that for everybody, that'd be awesome. So who's Paul Lynn? Who are you? Oh man, I'm a regular dude. I'm a regular dude who's chasing the American dream. Right. And we grow up and we play a bunch of sports. Right. And we think that that's everything. And then we do our best to make it to the next level. And then we go to the next level to play our sport, not really caring about the education, but we get that along the way. And if we get an opportunity to play after uh, after college, which I was blessed enough to do, we go ahead and try that out. And then we enter into the real world. And once you get into the real world, things start getting real and <laughs> life becomes boring and bills, you know, and everything that is, you know, middle aged maildom is uh, it, it weighs on you. So the sports background and the affinity with training and lifting and, you know, my uh, <clears throat> my background with uh, strength and conditioning and working in that field a little bit as a high school coach and, and strength and conditioning coach just leaves you wanting more. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I grinding? Why am I in the gym every day trying to be stronger than I was the day before if I'm not really applying it? Then? If you're not competing so, exactly and doing something, yep. Yeah. So then you enter in like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. midlife, pseudo midlife crisis. Um, And uh, you look for more. So in my my case, I was doing things like playing racquetball, trying to do that competitively, you know, and just try, you know, whatever, you know. And I wasn't ready for the slow pitch softball or the golf. Um, So actually a guy I coached with was like, we were, we were actually at a bar downtown Harrisburg and I was there with a couple of guys that coached me and that I currently coach with. And there was a scenario where there was somebody at the bar and uh, he had gone to school with my high school coach, right? This is my line coach, huge six foot five guy, you know, and he's saying, this guy says he's, you know, he's at the bar. He's saying he's the greatest arm wrestler ever and state champion in Pennsylvania and all this good stuff. And uh, I had a buddy with me and he was like, I'll put a hundred dollars right now that you can't be. 
buddy. And I'm like, sure, I'm game. I don't lose at the bar. You know what I mean? And my high school coach says to me, he says, Paul, don't do it, man. We're not putting any money on this. This guy's good. Leave him alone. You know what I mean? And my buddy's all ramped up. No, 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 no. We're doing it. We're doing it. So we all, we end up arm wrestling on the corner of this big crowded bar slash club. Um, and I beat him. And then he wants to, then he wants to, uh, he wants to run it back and I beat him again. And, uh, after that, you know, everybody didn't expect me to beat the guy, whatever. Um, that's the story for like every arm wrestler who winds up being good. So that's nothing new. But okay. after that, after that, uh, the guy I coached with was like, you know, have you ever thought about doing this competitively? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've seen the game arms. And in my mind, I watched game arms, which is the lead on to WAL. And I remember watching with my wife and I'm watching the thing. And I'm like looking at people like Mike Solaris and stuff, these guys in my weight class. And I'm like, honey, there's no way that I can't compete with these guys if I train for this sport, if it's an actual sport. And she's like, get this shit off of my television. I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, and of course, I'm like, like honed in at this point. So I binge watched the entire series, of course. And then I go it, digging into Devin Larry and everybody else that has the training videos out there, trying to educate myself. And my buddy that I coach with says, hey, I found, you know, I found the tournament. And at this time, he was part of this pyramid scheme trying to sell these energy drinks. So they slap a T-shirt on me and say, let's go sell these energy drinks after you beat everyone. And I go to this tournament. It's a small tournament, Piston PA. Um, I win the novice and without a problem. And I'm like, cool, throw me in the pros. And this was a smaller tournament, so it was 198 and up. So I had to go against all the super heavyweights. I don't know these guys. They're way bigger than me. Um, and I win some and I lose some and I take third place. Is this 2017? 15. 2015. Okay. Cause I, I watched something in, in about in Pennsylvania. Okay. So you saw, well, we got a ton of tournaments in Pennsylvania, yeah. especially now we do. Um, so my career kind of fostered that a lot. There was a lot, there was a few here and there in the Scranton area, but now that, now that I got dug into it and I got bit by the bug, I went nuts and I started promoting tournaments all over the place. Like did. So you took, so, you took third and mm -hmm. then from there it was like, okay, now, I just, well, I just I, went up against pros. I just went up against heavier, bigger dudes. I really yeah. could compete here. So you gained all types of yeah. confidence, no? No, that's not what I thought at all. Okay. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, I thought I was going to beat everyone, you know? And now my shoulder's messed up. Like, I like I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm like, boom, and hit myself way outside of the shoulder, get stopped and pulled open. And I haven't been able to bench right since. Oh, and I'm like, okay. what do I do? And how do I, you know, how do I respond? Is this meant for me or not? And, you know, we're in a car with my buddies. Win too. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know anything about the sport. So we're like, well, you know, maybe you come back better or something. What are you going to do? I have nobody to train with. I don't even know that training exists. I go to another tournament, Winter Blast, uh, which was actually held in New Jersey. Um, and I go there and I win, I win the, the amateur class there. And at that point, um, a couple, it was a bigger tournament. So some people approached me. And I was looking for a table to train on. And I got with Tim Bresnan and Ron Klemba. And they said, come up and train. We're not going to ship you your table. If you want your table, you might as well come up and train and get it. So when I went up and trained and I seen what like a real professional club looked like, Tim was getting ready for like vendetta with like, I forget who it was, maybe Alexi Voboda at the time. And uh, at that point, I was like, okay, this is real, you know, and I'm addicted. So I drove back and forth to Connecticut for like the next four or five weeks, 
trying to get ready um, to actually compete at a high level. And I'll tell you, it's an arduous process. Even when you come in, even when you come in at a pretty high level, which I was blessed enough to come in at a pretty high strength level, and I had a decent understanding of the technique just from research, it is a tough process. And anybody who's not involved in arm wrestling who thinks it's like a low impact sport, yeah, it's not. I've not in, in my entire sporting career, I have never experienced the type of pain that you get as an early arm wrestler. It's something like you, you have to experience it to know it. And I'll tell you what, it is it is something different. But if you're into that type of stuff and the progression aspect, you know, and, and being sore, which I kind of am a little bit masochistic. So, uh, I, you know, that really just spent fire. So it wasn't it wasn't long after that until I really, really got dug in and started hitting some bigger tournaments. You know, if, if anybody wants to like the people watching, I would say if you want to get hooked to arm wrestling right off the bat, um, I love your matches, but the match that jumps out at me where if you, you talked about pain, like Dave Chafee versus Lilletton. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the pain in Lilletton's face just it, it, that was the most amazing match. And when you talk about it, it's it's definitely high impact. You guys, it's uh, I wanted to ask you about that because you come from a like a sports background, but it's like a you know, you said team sports background. You said in another podcast I was watching earlier that you if you um if you were your I guess true calling, you would have been a wrestler. You kind of look like a wrestler. You definitely look like a middle linebacker. You definitely look like the white orc. It makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, you're up there when you're, when you're on the stage, it's, it's really big, but you go from like a team sport to arm wrestling. Like you, you spoke about, um, you know, how the teamwork with, 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 you know, East versus West and the individualism of it. Arm wrestlers are, is it's an amazing sport because it is just you and that other guy. And you have to mm -hmm. figure it out. You have to be. It seems like it's a mental game. I don't know how John Brzezink still like beats people. It's, it's you know, it's high, it's high speed chess or high speed rock paper scissors. However you want to look at it, um, and it's it's so mental because your competition window is so short. It's not like you got you know forty eight minutes and timeouts in between and everything, and your your game lasts three hours. This is like 20 minutes, you know, max, unless, you know, unless you're really going to war. So your adjustments have to come quick. Your confidence has to be there after you lose a match. It's definitely mentally testing. And the stage itself and the preparation involved in it, similar to wrestling, quite often those of us who are arm wrestling weight classes have to deal with a weight cut. You know, so the, the, the discipline involved in preparation, dealing with jet lag, you know, cut the weight, rehydrate, refuel, and then peak. And then timing up all of your training, all your, you know, match specific training to be the best on that day is super important. Arm wrestling is really it's fickle because you can you have good and bad days the same way as you have in the gym. Oh, yeah. if you have an off day on a competition day. You're in trouble because Big that's trouble. not going to be the best representation of who you are. You might just have an off day or you miss one thing in your prep and it can cost you big time. Like so that's that definitely nerve wracking for sure. Oh, yeah. So it's like. Um, like Matt Mask had that that pride. He was he was wondering what was what was going on at the last East versus West. But it's it doesn't seem like you go up and down too much in your weights. Like you see, like like Michael Todd and even Devin. Devin's been like close to three hundred. You know now it looks like he's back down to two fifty. You seem like you hang out in your same weight. Even like years back, watching your videos, you look pretty pretty much you know the same size. Or are you going up? You know that now, much? No, I mean I came into sport like my homeostatic weight is two fifteen. 
Okay. Like, and doing that, like, you know, when I played football, I tried to push my weight up. You know, I, the most I ever got to was like two, like low two thirties. And that's not good body composition, yeah. but it was functional for football. So I had to push the weight up there. When I stopped playing, I settled at like two fifteen. That's where my body wants to be with a clean diet. Now I'll, I'll take matches with guys that are bigger than me, which puts me in a predicament. Like, you know, the present match was the biggest I think I ever was during my arm wrestling career, which was like 232. And I, I mean, maybe that was my peak strength, but it wasn't like I didn't feel great. You know what I mean? My body wants to rest around 220, 215. And then ideally I make a cut to 209, 205, 198, whatever the case may be. I always feel better with a clean diet, cut and recovery. I feel yeah. like where my strength level is, it's best suited for that, that, that weight class or weight range. Whereas guys like Devin who have all that height, you know, or, or Michael who, you know, has a, a unique move that can, that can get him. And he's taller too. We're talking about six foot two guy. We're talking about Devin six foot five, my frame at, you know, six foot it, I can't health. I can't carry that type of weight and feel the way I want to feel or look the way I want to look. Yeah. So for me, I don't see an instance where I want to push myself out of my weight class. Now, who knows? I mean, depending on where I can get, I don't know where I can get in my weight class, but if I can get to a level where I, you know, which is so far away, so outside of, you know, the, the potential possibility, but if I can get to that point, maybe I think about moving up a little bit, but I don't see myself ever over that two thirty. It's, I mean, it, you know, some people have the frame, like Devin could cut and he's, he's so big, he's so long, he seems very awkward to everybody. Um, you know, some of my, so whoever, whoever, a lot of people that listen is, you know, we talk about some of these names, Devin Larratt's one of the, you know, greatest ever poll. John Brzezink is considered the the greatest ever poll. Um, it's amazing because in six years you're going up against him, you know, but before we get to that, cause I did have some of your matches, you know, that I kind of wanted to just go through, but tell us about different, like is it mostly power? Is it mostly technique? Is it is it a combination of both? Can power just pull you through? Because it seems like like sometimes the buckle on the one side matters, where people are yeah. only losing with the buckle. And just take us through different, you know, is it you know the different mindsets of 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 it and and, and different pulling just to kind of give my audience the idea of you know the like top roll versus a hook for a little like if you could do it quickly. I don't know if you can, but at whatever you know you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm asking. I'll give you the simple rundown, the easiest yeah, layman for lay, layman's terms. You know, here here we go, <laughs> and this might not <laughs> resonate with everybody. So when you talk about a top roll, you talk about a shoulder away movement that attacks your opponent's hand or wrist staying away from their arm slash their quote unquote power. That doesn't mean you're staying away from the power or you have a hook where your shoulder comes forward and you go more arm to arm, which is inviting power. Right. And the interesting thing is when these, these styles clash, there's different tile, there's different styles of top rolls, different styles of hooks. You have presses, you have Kings move now, which is an outside open top roll. But when you look at the sheer basics of it, like it's almost like rock, paper, scissors. If you have options, what which option do you choose against which setup? That's where you can lose a match and have it look really bad when it could have been the other way. So making those decisions in the setup is really, really important. So when you think about an inside move, right? So let's say a posted top roll back this way with rotation. That okay. can be defeated by a hook because when you're posted and there's no pressure into your opponent's bottom two, it's easy to get turned in. Mm. Now you think about a low hand top roll, 
would be your scissors to the hooks rock or your, your paper to the hooks rock, right? That, that makes it harder to go ahead and supinate through the wrist. And then you come back to the post top roll. The post top roll is very efficient against the low hand because it allows you to get heightened leverage. So like that's an easy, basic way to look at the sport and how, how things can be countered. But there's so much more to it beyond that. It's not just that simple. Then you enter the strap into it. The strap changes everything. It protects your fingers. It allows guys with maybe less dominant hands to be able to be more competitive. Uh, but back to what you said, like power, general power, mm-hmm. strength is more a weakness. But you can't have that alone. A lot of times you see new arm wrestlers come in and you'll get that guy that comes in and he's super strong. He's so strong that it's almost dangerous to his own structure. You know, it has to be a little bit of a combination. Everybody will look at Todd Hutchings, right? Todd Hutchings is like, this is a guy that I try and emulate him because he started at the same time I did. Call him a side pressure king, right? Yep. Quite often we see his wrist go back and he'll see he's still able to pull through it sideways. So people look at Todd as primarily power. That couldn't be more wrong. Todd is extremely technical. His hand is not weak, even though he's vil- he's willing to pull without it. And his setup game, everything that he's doing and the way he trains for the way he pulls is extremely technical. A lot of times we don't we don't see it because you don't under, most people don't really understand the details of how he's setting the strap for his move and how he's protecting his pronation, which is allowing him access to that side. There's so much to it. You can't just have one thing. You can't have technique without power. You can't have power without technique. You got to find a meeting ground for that. And then there's the guys that are one trick ponies. They have one ace move, you know, silver bullet, Travis Bajan, post top roll timing, win the hand, the you know, setup game, super like has taken him to the, the pinnacle of the sport with essentially one move and no inside option at all. So you can be the greatest with one move, but to me personally, I've always enjoyed Devin's versatility. And I think it's, it's makes me feel better coming into a match knowing that I have more than one option. So you, you you just brought up Devin's name. Let me ask you a question. I watched a video, and it was like Devin's sitting there, and he's – I mean, the dude's almost like a – I don't want to like – I love him. He's like a mutant, though, man. Just the things that he could – like how he holds people and like just the, his whole structure. So when you're sitting at the back of a place and you guys are at practice and he looks at you and says, hey, Paul Lynn, White Orc, hey, White Orc, come, come on, come on, come on, practice with me. Like what's going on in your head? Are you going like – Ah, shit, Devin Larratt's, you know, Devin Larratt is calling yeah. me over to practice. It's going to be a nightmare. No. Or are you, could, or are you going, going over going, okay, I'm going to go learn, learn, you know, some stuff and hold one of the best. Here. I mean, I, I've, I've met and worked with Devin on a bunch of occasions. Okay. And, and the specific one you're talking about, he was like, let me know when you get done doing your rounds and we'll go ahead and pull a little bit. I'll yell for you when I'm ready. He had already been there for hours and stuff too. I'm the one that got there late. That was in Virginia. But no, no, no. I know. I mean, listen, Devin is – uh like, regardless of what you think about the persona he puts off, he's a really, really down-to-earth and good dude. No, it seems um, like he, he is, yeah. He, he, I mean, listen, when I was new, I started hitting up these arm wrestlers like a total noob and just started hitting them in their DMs. And, like, Devin was extremely helpful and open from day one. So, I mean, we've developed a, a pretty good relationship. Uh, that had been the first time that we had pulled hard in a while. But that was coming off his LeVon match and everything, so. I, I think it was an opportunity for him to kind of gauge where I'm at and me to kind of gauge where I'm at. 
But uh, all things considered, he had been at it for a couple hours prior. The guy's a mutant. He's a machine. He don't he don't tire out. He'll pull like all day and then pull the next day. He's he's different. He's different than he's different than most arm wrestlers. The endurance that he has is is something something different. And then he'll say about him not having that fast twitch. You know, his trade off is that he can go forever. You know, yeah, he'll stop you. To be strategic. You know. Yeah, so let me ask you, like your style, it seems to me now, uh, I don't want, I don't want to, I want to ask you about it too, because you're one, you have certain, certain guys, and I hope that the camera could see me, but they, they kind of have their, their shoulders square, like very square to the table, right? Um, level shoulders. And it seems like you kind of always start with that one sh- right shoulder down. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you, you go for mostly like a, like a, side pressure kind of top roll where you're you're kind of pulling through them but you're pulling back to the pad right yeah. but why do you keep that front shoulder down is that like oh you always start like that or just against what no, you're feeling against them it depends on the opponent okay um, that that specific setup um i learned a few years in um from barry hearse a long time arm wrestler he actually worked with travis when travis was young but travis don't really bring him up or give him much credit but he he was he has a lot to do with travis's style so when I was training with Barry, um, we, he had a unique, a unique style um, of, of post top rolling and going into a negative position. So like a reverse top roll or um, I, however you, whatever you want to call it, but a retreating seat. So in that setup, you're able to push your elbow the whole way in by me dropping my shoulder and getting my elbow all the way to the left corner of pad. I am in my most prime real estate. Your power. Meaning, okay. No, meaning I oh. can retreat the full length of that pad. So if I set up in the right corner like this and I get hit anywhere, I'm threatened to be fouled and I have less real estate. If I'm all the way over here and pushed in, and unfortunately I'm not as flexible as Devin. I can't stand like this and do it. I got to go like that to get my elbow where uh, I okay. want it. So that allows me a little bit more versatility. I don't always set up that way. If I'm going to initiate a hook or like a, or a straight drag or something like that, I set up a little bit differently. But to me, that's the one that doesn't telegraph. So if I'm set up in here, I can post top roll. I can reverse top roll. I can low hand top roll and I can high hook or I can drop into a hard hook as well. I just don't have that initiation coming from the corner of the pad. So if I want to, if I want to initiate a, a hard hook or a low hook, I'll set my elbow in a little bit different of a spot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. Cause I, I hope people like listen to this and what I want to do now is like, like going through some of your matches, what, what I don't think people realize is how intense there's just a one-on-one competition really is, you know, when you look at some of those great matches and even like, like when you look at the WAL, you look at your match against Paul Talbot, right? It looked like he was almost in a position where his arm looked look dangerous, but yeah. right, like a very weird one. And in, 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 I think it was the second round, and and it mm-hmm. looked like you almost like you tried. You 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 said, "All right, I'm not going to gas myself out," and you you kind of let him take mm-hmm. you back. And but mm-hmm. he was caught in a really weird position. You ever like worry about like hurting somebody or like that, or do you know how to kind of pull practice. them? In practice, all the time. And I, you know, newer guys, I've already, like, multiple times, I'll refuse to pull with them if they get into certain positions. Okay. If they flop the wrist like this on me, I stop pulling. If they kings move, I stop pulling. 
if they if they go into any form of break arm with their head turned, I stop pulling. I am not going to break someone's arm at practice. Yeah. At least I will do my best not to. Now in a match, that's a different animal. Um, really, the reason why I kind of relinquished that match against Paul was because he was wedged, and Paul is one of those pullers who can go into an incredible break arm position and not break his arm. Yeah. And that's from years and years of conditioning. Bart Wood always says it takes three to four years to condition your bones so that you can stop worrying about being in that break arm position, but it's still a faux pas. Most pros, well, you know, that go into a, a, a break arm position. It is usually acknowledged at a big tournament that you will let a pro do it as a referee an amateur or novice. No, we stop them right away. When I'm reffing that, I'm telling you, I'm stopping the first one. I'm fouling the next one. I'm fouling the next one after that. We're not doing it. You know, we're going to do everything we can to avoid it. But once you get to a pro level, if you're willing to break your arms. <laughs> so, so you took that one. How did you get into that whole WAL anyway? Because that was what drew me into like arm wrestling, honestly, was watching the the WAL highlights. I think they had a very fun like it was easy to watch as a, as a person who didn't know that you had very entertaining matches, you know? So how did you lead up to the WAL? Like even that match with Paul, was that your only WAL match? No, you were, you had a lot of them. That was the, the biggest one. Though. Yeah. That was my only one. That was, I think, was that 16? I think it was 16. I don't know. But there was another series set to happen the next year and the contracts were out. I had a match, um, it was set against Jordan Sill and that was when Kobe. So it wasn't 16. It would have been, so I don't know what year it was in any case. It, it, that was that was that was where we were with that. And unfortunately, with the WAL, what was good about the WAL is they, they're truly main, mainstream production. The owner of WAL has an affinity for arm wrestling, but he's not a he, he doesn't come from arm wrestling background. He's a businessman. So he needs sponsorships. He needs monster and all these different things, you know, uh, ESPN plus or whatever we were doing it on at that time. He needed those sponsorships to make the business aspect work and make that production value to the general person look so good because there was a lot of overhead in that. Yeah, and it so did look when, good COVID hit, when COVID hit, all those restrictions happened, sponsors backed out. And I, Steve, the owner is still active and he's still chasing down leads. So we don't know. I know he's still reaching out to athletes and, and promoters. So there's a possibility it'll come back. Um, but yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, there was basically, I believe there's like a board of people that kind of make the matches. You'll pick up being one of them. And I had a match with Craig Touye at the Arnold in 2018. Uh, it was a pretty good match. I uh, wound up losing it, but I had him like, I had him on the losing side for a while and I wound up making some mistakes. But Neil Pickup was walking by. He was doing the strongman stuff and he, he caught the match and, and just by dumb luck. Uh, and then he kind of reached out into the community to figure out who I was and I was doing some other things and I got some support from some other arm wrestlers and stuff. So they vouched for that match. Um, and that's how, that's how I got it. Uh, before that, like obviously WAL was a tournament series before that. I missed that. That was my first year in. I did some qualifiers and things of that nature, but because of the year that I got in, I wound up, I did go to Vegas the year that it was canceled, but it was my first year. So I pulled the amateurs two twenty five. I pulled their amateur version of it and I won both right and left there. Okay. Um, and then I was poised to do the next year and they switched to the super match series. So that's how it all transpired. But WAL, you know, as far as their beginnings, they were associated to game arms. 
So again, like Kaplan and those guys were involved in that. WAL was kind of like the brainchild of the game of arms crew. Yeah, I like bringing these up because I hope people like go out and look at these. You know, look at these matches like you that you and that Paul Talbot match at the WAL, and then if if they just you know if they YouTube your name the the, the match with John Brzezink, like what's it, what's it like pulling John man? You know, besides mm-hmm. besides looking at or watching that documentary, is that that's, that dude's just amazing. He's, he's like a but, hydraulic press. It looks like. Yeah, like I mean, he's fifty. He's fifty eight years old. He's fifty seven. He's making his comeback. I think I was his second or third match in his comeback. So where he's at right now, I can only imagine to where that was that day. But I mean, I watched Pulling John. I watched Wide World Sports. You know, I watched Over the Top. I knew plenty about John Brzezink prior to. Uh, pulling John, I mean, he's in like, what is he, like top 200 athletes of all time or something. He's all made all these lists. You know, it's John, you know, but depending, I, I mean, for me, uh, I just look at it as a huge opportunity. Yeah. And I had, I had met John in the past and, and he's a really down to earth guy. Like, and I'm not the type of person that's ever really starstruck. I, I enjoy his company. I enjoy his conversation. He's a really good human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as far as that match goes, you know, that I have a lot of confidence coming in. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, I, but I sure as hell intended to win it, you know, yeah. and I was surely like in my best form at that point in preparation to do everything in my power to win it. I mean, I ate cheesecake and donuts as much as I could to get as huge as I possibly could for that match. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think I've ever been congratulated more on a loss, especially a 3-0 loss. Uh, but to be able to kind of push John and to be honest with you, um, I don't think I would be on the East versus West cards right now if it hadn't been for John giving me his endorsement. Hank. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Angan mentioned that. He said, you know, I spoke to John about you a couple times. And, you know, I asked him, you know, was, was he toying with you or, you know, did he let you do what you're doing? And he was like, no, no, no. He forced the issue or whatever we were doing, like whether it was outside or inside. And that I think just had to do with me being able to. John's passive in the setup. He let me do a lot kind of to get where I needed to get in the setup. And then I, I hit the goes, you know? Yeah. And at that point, especially in round three, I was redlined to the point where I was just, just break my arm. Yeah. I was trying to do anything I could. So, <laughs> well, you're strong as hell, man. You could see like, um, I've, I've watched enough of these guys to know their face. Mm-hmm. They, they get that, um, John gets that red and he gets, he looks like mm-hmm. almost like a puffer fish kind of, you know, like that, that, mm-hmm. and he'll get that and he'll get that hold. Um, especially when he was with, uh, what's his name? The, the gorilla. Um, yeah. Corey West, Corey West. Yeah. That was a, a ridiculous yeah. match where he was redlining. You definitely brought John to that point, you know, where he felt a little uncomfortable. You could see it in his face. He definitely wasn't comfortable. And then I'd say the third one, he was a little bit more, you know, it seemed like he was feeling himself. So John seems like he gets stronger as the match goes on too. It's weird. Amazing endurance. And when you talk about like the fundamentals of arm wrestling, pronation being a big one, like rotation to that thumb pad. John has that pronation is nothing I've ever felt. Normally, like if I can slam supination, get a deep cup, I'm not, I, he, he, he couldn't roll me out, but his pronation was like hydraulic, you know, like the pressure was so constant that every time I would drive sideways, I would open, so, uh, open, 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 
open. And as you know, when it would open, he would take a little bit more and it would just, it would get more and more and more to the point where my hand was so blown that I couldn't even access side pressure or drag. And I had never felt someone with that level of hook, like deep in pronation that just didn't tire out. Most people's pronation, if you sit on it long enough, it'll give up before your cup does. John is not like that. He's, uh, he's special back pressure, everything. Um, and it's interesting cause he's so like passive in the setup, like he kind of lets you grab whatever. And then right before the go, you feel his click and everything locks in and you're like, okay, <laughs> now it's different. <laughs> and see, now I'm, I'm not an arm wrestler. I, w- I would love to, now I've lifted a lot of weights in my day. I'm a Mason contractor by trade. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm constantly picking up heavy stuff. I think I'm a strong guy. I still play baseball. Like you, you brought up, you can't play, uh, you know, softball. I can't do that either. I still play wood bat baseball. So it's like, I love that competition. I love that stuff, you know? So I, I can't, I can only imagine what it's like grabbing onto some of these like, like monsters. Like you've, you've arm wrestled some monsters. You, you yourself look like a monster out there. I loved your look East versus West five. Who was that? That was, um, Arakli Gamten Zizi. How do you, how do you say his Gamten is Gamtanazi. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't say I couldn't, I couldn't of all the names I couldn't get him. But at one point, man, like tell me about this mindset. You gave him this look. Like when you beat him, you were you were like you just kind of like stared in your eyes. Like you, you almost looked like it was like this bit of rage came over you, but then you like calmed it down a little bit, but you were you won. So it's it was like a release, you know? Tell me about that like mindset and just that that moment because it was awesome. I that face I like screenshot and I was like, yes, this dude's like intense. I love this guy. Well it's I mean listen, it's like you know football like you get to kind of do that a lot more. You know, you have you know whatever 78, 79 plays you play on defense opportunities to get somebody and yell or whatever and release all that anger and energy and everything else. Arm wrestling, we don't get that. You're not doing it at practice. You know, you only get every once in a while. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't ever buy into my personal choices to not buy into like any type of trash talk or anything like that when match build up. So I do my best to always be respectful. And I've been blessed to pull these great arm wrestlers that I have right. a lot of respect for. Um, but I still, you know, the build up, Ingen does all the build up stuff. And Arachli, it was a little bit, I mean, it just said some things that were they bit off-putting, you know what I mean? Oh, when had I would, to be, okay. You know, I shrug them off. Uh, and I say, yeah, sure, okay, well, yeah, we'll arm wrestle in a little bit, you know what I mean? We'll see, whatever. You know, but a lot of, like, weird underlying things. Uh, but I don't buy into them in a the moment. It doesn't mean I don't hear them. doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact. doesn't mean but it's not clipboard I, material. I love it. I love it. I enjoy being the underdog, and I enjoy locker room material. If you're going to give me motivation – I will welcome it every day of the week. It's much harder to pull somebody like John Brzezink than it is to pull somebody who's who's getting after you a little bit or, or has a different, doesn't have a whole lot of respect for you. To me, the best position is to be an underdog and not have your opponent's respect. That is the absolute most dangerous position that you can be in as 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 a competitor in any level. So that was East versus West five. That was your last, that's the t-shirt that you're wearing right now for everybody that doesn't know, I would say, go find it on, go find it on Facebook, go find it on YouTube, watch these matches. The East, first off the East versus West. Let's just talk about that really quick. That is a, a 14, I think it was $14 and 99 cents. I think that's 15 bucks. You got yeah. 
15 matches. East versus West six. You have what? Six, uh, 15, 16 confirmed matches. Oh yeah. It's basically a dollar a match. It, it's crazy. I mean, there's, there's things that can be said like, Oh, we need to shorten down the thing or whatever. But I mean, I've always said, just buy it and watch it whenever you want. I buy them, you know, cause I can't even pay attention to all of it when I'm there. I need to review the matches when I go home. So I, I make sure I buy it every time. It's like a it, six. It's like a Saturday morning. You get. I get up on a Saturday. I think it started at like eleven o'clock in the morning on Saturday. You guys are in. Um, in where is that? At Dubai, right? Or Istanbul, Turkey? Istanbul, Turkey. Yep. King of the in Dubai. Yep. Yeah. So it's like it's like, but that was like four or five hours worth of arm wrestling. But it's so many matches, and they go fast. It's not like East versus West does a very good job of turning these matches over, keep them, keeping them like um, you know everybody. There's not a lot of garbage in the setup. It seems like the matches go quick. They let you guys get away with. Uh, I feel like they get let you get away with a little bit too much. You know, yeah. if you ask me, but but you know whatever. That's that's I don't I don't really know that Personal much about the sport you know but you tell me if i'm wrong they did it is it is loose and i love it and yeah. i think Angan's kind of following in the footsteps of wl wl yep. for like let's make sure these matches end on pins which i think is the right way to do it and it's on the arm wrestlers to adapt to however loose or tight it is we have to learn that and we have to be able to adapt to it in my opinion i love what Angan's doing because in the absence of the wal we're never going to get the level of money that goes into the production quality of WL. That was like cinematic TV version stuff. Yeah. Um, which was set up totally different. The aesthetics, all those other things were in place. But Angan Terzi is a former arm wrestler, arguably the greatest of all time, pound for pound. Um, and he has he is a purist arm wrestler and is in support of the arm wrestling community and the pullers. So it's a cross between making the production something that you can watch but also catering to the purest arm wrestlers as well. And the reason I can get behind this dude is because I, you know, I'm, I'm inherently skeptical of people, um, but I've met and dealt with Angan now quite a bit. And I really believe that this guy has the absolute purest intentions to the point where I think he's refusing to take profit. He's just running them back in to more matches and paying the athletes more. It, it's crazy. I mean, he even paid us for signing posters and t-shirts. He paid us $2 a, a, an autograph. Like, when in the world is an arm wrestler ever going to get paid for their autograph? You know what I mean? Wow. Like, it's nice. Sh- I mean, you should, though. He did not have to do it. He's doing the right thing for the right reason, and he's trying to please everyone, not just the pullers, but the community. So I can easily get behind that. Plus, I love the concept of having a North American team. Versus everybody else. Yeah. It's cool. Talk, you know? uh, talk about that a little bit because the East versus West series is 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 really cool because arm wrestling is an individualized sport, right? Mm-hmm. But the teamwork aspect of it is um is there like a team trophy that gets that gets put around? Because I yeah. it's okay. like bragging rights. And it's it's gotcha. always hard to declare too, because sometimes you got like Ryan Bowen was assigned to us and he's yeah. in Australia. And then like, Ryan loses, everybody's like, we're not counting that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but the interesting thing about it is, is, you know, arm wrestling originated in the United States. There's arguments that it started in Scranton, Scranton Pennsylvania or Petaluma, California, but it started in the United States and it was made popular in the United States. And then the organizations, they've got WAF, you know, worlds, worlds was usually in the United States back in the day. And then, now it started, the organizations got bigger and it it, it it was taken over by Europe. Like if you go to WAF Worlds, you are looking at almost all European 
world champions. As a matter of fact, I can't tell you other than Cody Merritt on the left arm a couple of years ago. I don't know when we've had a seniors men or, or an open class men um, world champion. We haven't had them for many, many years, totally dominated by Eastern Europe. The flip side is in the United States, we got things like WAL and people aren't competing in worlds. So our best usually don't go. They're doing stuff around here with social media. So the world sees our social media because America is what it is with all the dang media. And you see all these American, North American pullers in the limelight. Yet there's these monsters over in Eastern Europe who are like household names in their country who are like, these guys suck. You know what I mean? We are way better. And then you got the Americans who are like desperately wanting to prove themselves to, you know, the Eastern Europeans who don't have the social media platform. East versus West is great because it melds the two. It brings the people with the social media following together with the ones that might not have as much. And it allows an opportunity for their personalities and charisma to shine and us to have an opportunity at legitimacy. So it's it's beautiful. No, it definitely works because, I mean, it, it, you always hear that, all oh, the Americans or the North Americans don't want to go against the Europeans. It's funny. They always said that about Devin. I, didn't, I never got it because he always went against – it seemed like he wanted to go against everybody. You seem like uh, in six years you've gone against – Every big name, even like this uh, at the Monster Factory, that dude um, was it Pavlo? Pavlo, yeah. Pavlo, he was. He looks like an absolute monster. You go against some of the some of the biggest names, some of the biggest guys in the sport. It's amazing watching you guys pull. But if you think East versus West right now is the standard, like what Engine's doing as far as rankings, do you think that's like the the world rankings in his East versus West? Do you think that's no. understood yet as like the, the number ones or no? no that's not a representation of the actual world rankings that's okay. based off of the east the, the east versus west athletes that have competed okay. so like when i look at that i don't say i'm number one ranked in the world i'm number like world rank for east versus west you win that title i think it, it definitely does come with the world title connotation if we can call wal a world title we can call east versus west a world title times two yeah. so because there's more influx of Eastern Europeans. Um, but but that said, I mean, like, when it comes to the productions, I've never had more fun in arm wrestling than over there. Like, I mean, I've done the WAL stuff. I've done the Nationals over here. I've been to, you know, WAL finals, all that good stuff. I've never had more fun than ever. And you're a fan. Never. You said you're a fan of the sport, too. So you get to sit there and no, watch no. these no. unbelievable athletes like Gennady yeah. from over there. And I mean, yeah, you you... And they're all cool. They're all cool. Everybody's like, oh, oh you know, you a guy asked me today, do you get along with those Europeans over there? I said, yeah, they're freaking awesome. And, and, you know, if you sit down and try and understand them and, and like break and chop it up with them a little bit, they're, they're all great, you know, and everybody has a personality. The language barrier seems to hide. If I had it my way, you talk about like arm wrestling in the States and stuff. If I had it my way, I'd never arm wrestle another American. Again. I, I would only arm wrestle Europeans to, to me. It's a better barometer. And like given the like, you know, Adam Warzinski and I both were on the last club and Adam beat Bojdar, who's a current world champion, and he beat him in convincing fashion. We are not too far away. And we the minute we get back to the United States, there are promoters trying to make that match. And both of us kind of agreed in the comments, like, why would we do that? Like, why? Why compete against each other here when we can go compete together over there? You know what I mean? You're always it's, not that, it's, it's not that that match isn't cool, right? It's not that that match could, couldn't happen or shouldn't happen. 
But if we're getting paid X amount of dollars to go over here and compete as a team, why would we even mess with that in our schedule if more matches are coming over there? So it, it gets to a weird point where you have to juggle the things too because match offers come all the time yeah. and the schedule gets so condensed. And when you start talking about trying to peak for an event without having distractions, to me, piled up matches distract my focus. Okay. I'd rather have one and focus on that and then set another one personally. So it's interesting. And until like if the WAL would come back, were to come back, if that were to happen, me and Adam will probably be having a match really soon. And both of us would accept it for that promotion or, you know, in that setting. Yeah, because it's it, it, that's like major to me. Like right now, if you don't have something like that in America, why do it? You can see the only thing you do is you'd be diminishing the other person because one of you got to come out the victor, right? So whoever comes out of it may not get the same offers where if you just keep winning, you know, East versus West or doing your thing, you both could both could benefit, you know? Yeah, and there's a, there's a flip side to that too because it's not just about that, like diminishing each other. It's almost like, you know, that's a big match. You know what I mean? Like, like if we were to go and compete at that level of a match at East versus West, it would be worth X amount. You know what I mean? To do it at a local promotion in the United States means adjusting schedules, blah, 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 all these different things, money lost from time off of work, all these good things that weigh in to the decision to do it. And there's not usually that monetary offset in the United States. It's usually like, hey, we'll pay for your we'll pay for your travel and five hundred dollars a winner. Well, I mean, sometimes that can cost more in lost work and and distractions to training, too. So it's 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 interesting. I would rather team up with Americans than compete against them at this point if I if I'm given the option. So that's where it gets tricky because, you, you know, there's there's match offers all the time in the United States and, and it's awesome. But a lot of times for me, it's about schedule and convenience. And then how does that conflict with what we're doing over here? Yeah, with it, those it, matches. You know, if, if I if I lose my next match and Angan says, you know what, you're done for a couple of them, I'll call you in like three of them then I'll start focusing on stuff back here. But as long as I still have the opportunity to potentially win and get another match, to me, that's where I want to focus my energy. Number one, because I want to support Angan and I believe he's doing the right things for the right reason. And number two, that's just the most fun I'm having in arm wrestling. And it's an opportunity to pull these legends and these Europeans that you don't always get over here. Yeah, and I, I love it because for, I mean, the entertainment I get for $15, and it, it's I know a lot of it's going to you guys, going to build this. You, you do see the production. I, now I've, I've watched every single one of them, right? So since the first one, you've seen there was audio problems. Angan was, was you know, interviewing people, and they weren't even holding the mic up. And, and then next thing you know, they got they got Neil Pickup to do some of the announcing. They have Ryan Bowen, and, and uh, I love um, Coach Ray as, the, the you know, the, the announcer and stuff like that so i mean the production has gotten better and better and better east versus west six this card looks ridiculous let's talk real quick about your match you, you were going against rustam babayev did i connect did i these guys names are so hard rustam babayev rustam babayev now i don't i, I looked this guy up i i don't see much about him tell me about a little bit about this guy a little bit about your opponent tell me what your thought process is on it yeah, hold on. So I'll fill you in on Rustam. Okay. Um, Rustam is like, you know, you say like, oh, you got the opportunity to pull Ron, Ron Bath and John Brzee. Rustam, like, like, like Ron Bath, Rustam, John. Really? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's considered the greatest hook puller 
probably of all time and the most dominant at that 95 kilogram mark of all time. He pulled in PAL's top eight. If you remember PAL's top eight, yep. um, that was prior to COVID and everything. And that was an open weight thing. So he's competing against the like the likes of Evgeny Prudnik, um, all the supers. So he was considered the top eight best arm wrestlers on the planet at that time. And he was only 90, 95 kilograms. Wow. Um, he had, he had a knockdown drag out war with Tim Bresnan. He's beaten John Brink Brzezink on, on occasions before he will go down in the arm wrestling hall of fame. He's taken on, he's from the Ukraine. So the war happened and everything and he took some time off. He's now in the UK. He's training again for this. Um, so I think Ingen's thought is, Maybe he's not fully trained up. Maybe I have a chance, <laughs> but I will be a mega underdog, mega underdog, mega so. underdog. Because you're the number one ranked guy there, right? So technically, you're this is a championship match. It's a, it's an East versus West championship match. So he's the likes of those guys. Now you beat Ron Bath, mm-hmm. right? And you lost. And you lost to John Brzezink. Um, it's it's funny because those two have had some wars in their life too, right? Or was it? Uh, no, yeah, Ron Bath and Brzezink and um, and Hutchins and Brzezink had some wars in their life too. Each one of them seems like they have their own little st- their own different style. You seem to be able to um, almost overpower Ron Ron Bath towards the end. Looks like he got a little tired, you know. Well, like he- it was more about styles. You know, my first okay. round, I tried a little low hand top roll. He crushed my hand, so I had to. Get, it was Plan B. It was plan B and, and he wound up falling kind of into my sweet spot, which worked out. But Ron was coming off a, a crazy war with Zurab Tabardese in East yeah. versus West four weeks prior. So that could have had something to do with it. Never know. Um, but I'll take a win either way. Either so, way. And, but you think about Ron back. I mean, if, if John Brzezink never walked this planet, we would probably be calling Ron back the goat, you know? Oh, really? He, he was, yeah, per- perpetually right there with John. Yeah, the same time frame, the same, basically the same age, competing at the exact same level. They went back and forth, um, but John's John. You know, and, and Hutchins the same way, right? Was it was he was right re- re- with those guys, or is he a little bigger than them? Not, no, Todd's smaller. Oh, Todd's, Todd's smaller. About, okay, Todd's about my height. Now he'll pack weight on. You know, yeah, he's packed weight on when he dom- when he totally dominated the ninety, you know, one ninety fives in WAL. WAL told him, we want you pulling up. You're pulling the supers. Because at that point, they basically had like, you know, that 205 weight class and then everything above. So they pretty much told him, your matches are coming with the big guys. So you can bulk up if you want. But Todd's about the same height as me. Um, and Todd started at 35. So he didn't have the career duration that, that Ron and John did. Oh, so he's These like you. He start, started at 35, same age, right? You started at 35, yeah. right? But now he's like 58 or 59, but he only, he had 35 to 58 where these guys had like 16 to 58, you know? So their, their duration in the sport makes their legacy a little bit bigger. But I mean, when you look at it, I mean, if people have been calling for that um, John Brzezink, Todd Hutchings rematch for a long time, uh, I, I'm sure at some point we'll see it, but they've subscribed to the same thing that basically I was talking about earlier. There's no reason for us to go overseas to do it. We don't need to go to King of the Table. We will sit around until the price tag is right for us to do it in the United States or Canada. So somebody has to be able to meet their price tag number to get them to pull, but they're not they're not opposed to pulling. So we're going to see it at some point. My concern is the longer John's back in the sport, the better he gets. 
and the less great that match winds up being probably. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Todd Hutchings is incredible and he is like so like biblically strong and it's just not get he is getting stronger it's weird it's but what's, John has such an interesting style for him you know you, what's amazing what's amazing is watching these different matches you know and you give me you give me so much time i'm gonna ask you one more question after this but i'm gonna quick make you give a quick comment like watching these different matches so you have like todd hutchings and i hope people go and, and take these names down and watch these matches because they're unbelievable you're, you're gonna get a different outlook on arm wrestling that once you start watching these matches there to me there's no other sport like it really besides like maybe mma where you have one other person and it's exciting and it's like you know uh, devin Lowry always calls it a fight you know um but you look at some of these matches like you have todd hutchings he i've seen him go up against devin and i've seen him pull like michael todd and people like that and what Evgeny Prudnik did to todd hutchings was one of the most impressive things i've ever seen in my life and then Devin goes and destroys Afghani. And it's like, but it didn't look like Todd's never, or, you know, Devin's never done that to Todd. So it's, it's, it's very, it really makes you think like, is it, is it all style? Is it just power? Is it just, you know, mind games? Like, did you fart for Nick? Maybe the funniest yeah. thing I've ever <laughs> seen on an arm wrestling table. Uh, you got to see that the, the Devin Larratt of Evgeny Prudnik match was amazing. I mean, these, they're just, the, the entertainment is awesome, but yeah, just watching them like kind of compete against each other. It's like, maybe it's a different day. It's, it's kind of hard to even make heads or tails of it. Cause it really may, it really is like that day. Who's better that day? day the biggest common misconception is trying to predict matches based on the the wins against common opponents right so that's the first thing we look at we say okay you know todd hutchings beat marcio barbosa but todd hutchings lost to devin larrett does that mean that devin larrett is going to beat marcio barbosa no like puller a b and c that data is always skewed, especially when styles are different. Hmm. So I, I, a lot of people fall and subscribe to that. Oh, you lost to him and he beat him. So you can't beat him. Not the way it works. And when you're a puller, you'll know that. And when you're a puller, you'll start understanding the styles and you'll also understand what style marries up best against you. So a lot of times, depending on people's perspective, they'll get a misconception on who's the underdog and who's the favorite. But you, you know what you know. It's like Chance Shaw and Zurab is a great example, right? So Chance Shaw loses to Ron Bath in a super match in the United States. Ron Bath loses to Zurab. Chance Shaw happily takes the match against Zurab and crushes it. Crushes him, yeah. Because stylistically, it doesn't marry up. You can't just say he beat him and he beat him, so he'll beat him. Never works that way, ever. And when you talk about, like, the mind games and stuff, there ain't nobody like that. Travis was the original at that, but Travis has been kind of out of the game. That's probably the only person whose personality I've seen on the table kind of overpower Devin's personality. But Devin is, yeah. Devin is something special, and I don't even know if when you watch the East versus West after that first round where Devin asked for me to be part of it, after he beat him, the the most ridiculous like improv thing I've ever seen at an arm wrestling event like transpired. The cameras are not seeing any of this. I think our, a couple people on social media might have got it. But Devin walks over to Prudnik's chair. There's like chairs where you can like you know you're warm. He like circles around the chair, 
Jody walks up, starts talking to Prudnik. Devin's talking to Prudnik. Devin reaches down, starts rooting through Prudnik's bag, sits on the edge of the chair, pulls his water out, drinks his water, offers it to him. Jody's talking shit to him. And I'm like, I'm sitting there with John. Me and John are kneeling at the front of the stage. Like, what are, what are we watching right now? Did that just happen? Are they doing it? Is this planned? Like, there's no, like, those people, like, Devin and Jody are, are special people who have a grasp of the moment that, um, is like Saturday Night Live-ish, you know? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I do know, and it's it's hysterical, because Joni Larrett went from, like, nursing Wagner Bartolotto from, like, I, having a full-on heart attack. She was like, sit yeah. down. She nursed that guy straight through mm-hmm. that. Probably the best, like, cornering I've ever seen in an arm yeah. wrestling match. Feeding him these little chips, whatever the whatever the hell they were, feeding him one by one, massaging his arm, you know, just yeah. nursed him through that, and she did such a good job. And then it was like all you heard was, you know, her yelling, "Put his elbow down, ah, put it down!" Like over and over. I love that stuff, man. It's like it's the whole Larratt experience when you're doing that, but it's all part of this East versus West. Like you know, the whole event went, you know, pretty smooth. And then all of a sudden, Darren, like Devin gets out of there, and it's a whole different electricity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see it with John, but it's not as yeah. like, um, like uh, what's the word? Like, like anxious, like amped up. It's like John's mm-hmm. more of a calm presence. Devin's more of a like, like yeah, you don't, you never know what's going to happen. There's tense. It's, it's tension. tension. Yeah, it's tension. But you, you, I, you can't replace to me that stuff involved in in that promotion. Like, yeah, I agree. The minute my match was done. And I wasn't cornering Dave or whoever else I was cornering. Um, I was at the front of the stage with, you know, with, with, with Jody and my wife was there and like Jody and my wife were drinking and they were hammered and they were teamed up. And it was like, you know, but to me, that's like the cool, like, like we're all at the front of the stage yelling for hands to be centered, yelling at the refs or whatever, because every, every West guy or every West guy, we all can identify with in the East. Everybody's from a different country. You got the Georgians over here. You got the yep. Ukrainians over there. They didn't have that. And I love that. You know what I mean? You're a big <laughs> team. They're a bunch I of individual it. teams. Yeah. It's, everybody's it's, enjoying it. And yep. like, even in the Dave Chafee match, like pretty much everybody from the West was either up by Dave's corner or at some point offering some type of positive energy or options to Dave. Like everybody rallied, you know, and to me, that's really cool because again, the team sports are awesome and you can add that level in and then you see, you, you see Jody like influence a match like that. And Devin flat out said it in a bunch of podcasts, I will have no one else corner me. Never. Corner person ever. Are you kidding me? Like I've had a bunch of people corner me. I'll take Jody every day of the week and I can't blame them. You said you guys did that on the fix, right? He said that on the fix when Neil pick mm-hmm. up when you guys were on that. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Is, is that so? You're like you're always on the fix. Is are you like a, a fixture on the fix, right? Yeah, I've been on there since like the early, early episodes, maybe like into like maybe episode like fifteen or twenty. So we've done about probably a hundred and some. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, like 136 or something like that. I like it because I, I, I get a lot of, uh, I definitely get, I start understanding a lot of the technical stuff after, like, when you guys start talking about the matches afterwards and what they felt and what you're feeling, especially you sitting there do, giving us that little breakdown, that, that really helped. Um, but listen, man, I can't wait to see you put the helmet 
and the shield on east versus west i really can't i can't wait to see it i think uh i think you're gonna uh, listen just watching what, what i see i i you are an incredibly strong dude um you do something to people that puts them in a very awkward position however however you attack them it seems like a lot of you get to jump you're very fast you get to jump on people that once you get them to a certain place you know, you you know how to finish it, and then you you also know how to like hang out there and 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 be patient and let them tire themselves out at times as well. You're very smart on the table. You're definitely wearing that helmet. You may be going against a goat, but listen, I think you're going to be going down going down as one of them. Yeah, listen, we'll see. I'll do what I can. I appreciate the positive the positive energy. I I thrive off of it. I need it. Send some my way when January twenty first comes. I will do my best. Well, let me tell you something. We have we have a saying on my baseball team where it's. When you're up at the plate, you know we always say like uh, we're all in that box with you, right? We're all in that box with you. When you're sitting on that table, I'm an all American guy. This is an all American podcast. I'm in the. I am with you on that, man. Trust me. I'm, I'm cheering for you guys. I'm cheering for the Americans. I do have. Listen, I like Hermes. Hermes is a time. Uh, you know, I have some Italian heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he looks. I mean, he looks like the real deal too, Hermes. I'm not sure if he caught like a exhausted Chafee from the Lilletan match. Um, you know, but I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see the uh, the other one. The um, who was he supposed to? He was supposed to go up against uh, Cataret, right? Jerry Cataretti was supposed to go up against. Yeah, I would have loved to see that match too. So, Hermes think he's the real deal? Before I ask you my last question, he's one hundred percent, absolutely, without a doubt, the real deal. He's a monster, now, is right? He gonna, is he going to be able to challenge LeBron? I don't know, but I mean, there's no question in Hermes' level right now. He's one hundred percent top five. For sure. Levon is a different animal altogether, man. It's it seems like um for everyone who doesn't know uh Levon Saganish Philly, right? Did I say that correctly? I or Saganish Philly. Um the guy is a he's a monster, an absolute monster of a hu- of a human being. Over four hundred pounds, right? Um did to Devin what I didn't think was like even possible. He powered right through him, didn't you know, doesn't he did hurt Devin in the process. Um, and Devin, you know, Devin's so strong. It's unbelievable. You guys are all so strong. Um, but yes, man, I, I listen, I wish you well. You are, I hope more people, I hope you guys get huge. I think you deserve it. I think your sport's amazing. Uh, I, the, the one-on-one aspect of it, the intensity, the buildup of these matches, I think about them. I thought about the chafee Lilletton match. I'm telling you guys, if, if you marketed that match to everyone on the planet, there's no way you're not the biggest sport. Because it's like that that match is, is is stupid. Just the like you could tell like if Vitaly came off a couple losses, you know, Chafee was coming off of a couple. The amount of like passion and like fortitude both of those men like put through, completely exhausted. You know, Jerry Cataret, I yep. think he's gonna have a heart attack uh, every single match. It's a, it's I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he pushed through Gennady. That was another absolute ridiculous match. You know, your your match with um with David Samuja, that was a that was like another one when I early early with you, like just you know, watching watching that. That was you guys were that was awesome, you know? So you guys have people have to look up East versus West. Look up King of the Table. Um, check out the Monster Factory. You guys, you're a big part of the Monster Factory too, right? Um, but let me ask you this, this final question because I ask every single guest that's on Calderas Unleashed. You seem like a very proud American. You're from PA, right? Um, are you living your version of the American dream? To the best of my ability under the circumstances that I'm given. 
and I will continue to do so. And I will continue to support the United States overseas as much as I possibly can. And you represent us very well, man. Listen, you really do. You definitely, um, you look very, you're very respectful, but you're intense. You bring, you have a, a, a personality, you know, it's, I, I, I really like watching you, uh, watching you on the tables, man. Listen, everybody look him up. The white orc. Paul Lynn, you have the floor, man. Last two minutes. Let let you know whatever you want to leave my audience with. You leave them with. I thank you very much for joining me, man. First of all, thank you for having me, man, and thank you for the exposure to uh, outside communities. Greatly appreciated. If you're interested in arm wrestling, you can check me out on Instagram at paul.lynn.717. You have any questions, feel free to DM me. I will always reply unless it's something super weird. Uh, you can also check me out on YouTube. Um, and that is my name also, Paul Lynn. You can search that. Um, again, I want to say thank you, Mike, for having me on. It's greatly appreciated, man. And if anybody's listening to this show, whether it's on YouTube or, or another platform, make sure you put this thing on reminders, sign up subscribe whatever the platform may be and mike we got to have you out man like if you love the sport, we got to have you out in on january 28th we will be doing the new way national championship in new jersey in atlantic city if you're interested in that one and we will also be doing the keystone state championship which is i think now our fifth uh annual iteration of that that'll be in harrisburg pennsylvania in late june that is usually one of the country's biggest events so, so put it this way, I, I'm an hour away from AC, man. Not even 45 minutes away yeah. from AC. So I, I will definitely be, and I'm a Mason contractor. Where, where are you at? I got a property in Wildwood. I'm, I'm not too far from there neither. Oh, are you kidding me? So I, I'm the Jersey Shore, man. You know, uh, Tom, like uh, yeah. Tom's River Seaside. Yeah. I live in Brick, man. I'm, I'm right on the right on the ocean. Yeah, awesome. it's a great. Now, listen, I will 100% be in AC. Well, there's there's one quick question before I let let you go. The White yeah. Orc. Just tell me real quick, where'd you, where'd that come up? Where did that that's come Neil from? Pickup. That's Neil Pickup. Man. That is right. That's yeah. what I figured. Yep. There, yeah. There was like, uh, someone did like a caricature of the four of us and, and they drew me like this, this work with these pointy ears and stuff. <laughs> and then Ryan Bowen actually said, oh, but they drew Paul like an orc. And then Neil was like, that's the name. And then there it was. <laughs> it's listen if it, it really it's it's a good name for you. Can't argue with it. <laughs> no, it's a really good name. And listen, you didn't have a you didn't have a nickname or anything like that going into WAL. You know, I think uh, what did Paul Talbot saw the assassin. He saw your he saw your nickname, right? Yeah, well, he didn't steal it. He had it first. <laughs> I was tired of that. And then other people tried to give me things like Terminator and stuff, but they never stuck. Neil has a way of making them stick. He'll repeat them until they do. And he gave Devin no limits, too, didn't he? he gave, yep. So, listen, once again. All of these guys. The, gin, the, the <clears throat> Ryan Bowen, the Ginger Ninja. Um, <laughs> and, and Jerry Cataract, the Ginger Dread Man and Brokeback Mountain. He is <laughs> so, like always terrible nicknames he's given out. <laughs> Neil, and Neil Pickup, I mean, he's like the voice, to me, the voice of arm wrestling, the best voice of arm. And he's so knowledgeable about it. I just love the way he calls a match. It's it's it's, it's very impressive. Listen, Paul, then you gave us an hour and 10 minutes, man, for Calgary Sunleash. You have no idea how much I appreciate your time. And like you said, you you responded to me. I mean, we set this up this morning. So I, I, am, I, am, I am so... But as I say, I'm very impressed.
impressed with you overall, man. They call you the nicest guy in arm wrestling. I'm called the nicest guy in cornhole. I don't know why, you know, especially <laughs> when you gave him that look. But listen, look him up. Paul Lynn, look up East versus West. Um, the White Orc, man, thank you very much for joining me. Have a great night. I hope your son had had, a, had won his basketball game as well, my man. Uh, it was just a practice. Oh, it was you just a practice. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Have a great night. Yes, sir.